Hello, everyone. Welcome to Reservations. Before we get into the episode, we just want to mention uh, we hope everyone is staying safe out there during the protests. Um, we stand with the Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter movement, um, and we stand against police brutality and white supremacy. Um, Jeremy, do you have anything to add? I I agree. We we stand with the the protests against police brutality. We stand in solidarity with all of the peaceful protests out there, and we just want to open the show saying Black Lives Matter. They do. Uh, we hope everyone is staying safe out there, and please enjoy the episode. Welcome to Reservations. We're your host. I'm Rain Whalen. And I'm Jeremy. Oh. I know. I know. We're going to end the season on me actually doing the intro correctly. And or I, my Jeremy. Oh, Alex. We also have Alex Horton here today. He, he's 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 mind-melding from his apartment. Oh. oh. Mind-melding. Mind-melding. No, he's here. <laughs> okay. Um, it's okay. We're, we're, we're all clean here. We are all safely six feet apart, social distancing. Mm-hmm. We sure are. Yes. Absolutely. Uh, six feet or six inches. I'm not sure which one's which, but anyway. Yes. Uh, anyway, uh, welcome back, everyone. Uh, this is so exciting because uh, this is the season finale. Season finale. Um, of season three. Uh, very hard to believe that we've already done three seasons of this. Yeah, and, you know, it's hard to believe that podcast places let us keep doing podcasts. I know. For, Jesus. Uh, for this long. So, cool. We've uh, we fooled them again, and uh, we will be back for a fourth season. Oh, are you, are you doing season four, or are you going to straight to skip to season five? You know, that's a great question, Alex. I, <laughs> I had toyed with the idea of skipping four. Right? And just be doing season five? And just going straight into season five. That right? would be interesting. And it would be, right? Why don't horse we miss the whole, uh, you know, meteor with, you know, horse alien people on it. Attacking yeah. the world, but... Yeah, why, don't, we why, don't, past that. why don't we just say fuck it and skip to ten? Yeah, we can just skip, um, you know... I mean, listen, there are no rules. <sighs> Except, uh, you know, we have to pay respect to Joel Schumacher. Uh, of course. We wouldn't be doing this without him. No, I mean, without his contribution and... And, you know, and with- speaking of contribution, uh, if anyone actually pays attention to the website, uh, episode three of the Melbrook series is not up. I apologize for oh, that. Oh, it's not? I forgot. Well, uh, at the time of this recording, it might be. Yeah, it will be, <laughs> right. but... Uh, but it hasn't been up until now. Until now, yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. What happened? I, I just goofed. Oh, you goofed. I you goofed. goofed it. I goofed it. Wow. Yeah. What a goof. Well, because um, the the Blackout Tuesday happened. Yeah. And SoundCloud oh, didn't actually upload right, the episode. Right, 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 right. And I didn't catch it until about 7 o'clock. Yeah. And so I quickly went in and... That's up. crazy that iTunes still posted it. I mean, because... because I unprivated it, it on, oh, on okay, SoundCloud. Gotcha. And once I did that, it, it posted. Gotcha, 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 yeah. gotcha, gotcha. Um, but anyway... Uh, hey, Ray, what's the movie today? So... If you paid any attention last week, which, thank you, oh. I can't believe you paid attention, uh, this is the final episode in our Mel Brooks series, and we kind of touched a little bit on, this is 
not necessarily the movie that kind of I wouldn't say ruined Mel's career, but it this is the movie that started his downward spiral in terms of quality of his comedies. I would agree. Uh, and this is History of the World, Part One. Uh, there's no part two. I mean, I'm still waiting. Um, he better. I've actually, I've actually heard a quote from him saying, "If you know, somebody asks if there's going to be a part two because there's a part one." He says, "Probably not a part two. Maybe a part four. Yeah, <laughs> but def, but never, never a part, part two. two. Maybe a part four. I also read that as yeah. uh, so, which I really like. Well, he better get stepping, man. That like I mentioned last week, that documentary I watched just broke my heart because his age is. 100% showing. Now. Yeah, it's he's oh, yeah. he's up there. He's up there in age. Yeah. You know? 94. I mean, we still got Carl, though. He kind of so. looks like, uh, if you've seen Spaceballs, you know, where he plays his... Yogurt? Yo- yo- yogurt Yoda parody? <laughs> That's what he looks like in real life now. <laughs> I, I guess. That's <laughs> nice, the green color. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, so this is History of the World Part 1. Um, Mel thought it would be a really funny idea to go through different parts of history and just play it with a very comedic tone. Um, I would say it's more parody yes, than it, most. it is more parody than satire. I know that we have discussed both ideas and both, you know, terms here uh, during the series on this podcast. Mm-hmm. We do get satire a little bit. We'll get there. Yeah. It's mostly parody, and you're correct. And to be fair... It's a great premise, right? Yeah, yeah I of course think it is. that where it falls apart is sort of balancing out the segments. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, we get a little bit of caveman, right? Mm hmm. We get a lot of Roman Empire. Yeah. We get a little bit of Inquisition. We get a lot of French Revolution. And then that's it. Right. That's the movie. And so, I mean, it's... In the, I, in the Moses. Oh, in the Moses. Right, right. Yeah, it's yeah like after the seconds. caveman. Yeah. Right, right, right. Um, maybe my favorite segment, actually. I can't believe I even forgot. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't even consider it a segment because it's so small. Well, right? well it's kind of funny that you, you mentioned that, Alex, because apparently that was not in the original script. Well, that's yeah. They brought... they At the last second, they're like, oh, that would be really funny. And it... It, it is. is very funny. I mean, my my parents and I, we've been quoting that my entire life. You know, these 15... 15 smash. <laughs> the... 10! 10 commandments! And I just, I just love... I just love Mel goes, Oi! <laughs> 10! 10 <laughs> commandments! <laughs> you see, I mean, it's it's gold. Man, that doesn't get old, right? Um, first, I, the first place I saw that was... You know, at like, I'm pretty sure it was at the... In like a youth group at church, <laughs> you know, it appeals to everybody. It does. Yeah, it's it's good clean comedy. You know, whereas where the rest of the movie is uh, probably not. No, good, not clean as comedy. much. And I guess we can start there. We can start with the rating. The rating is yeah. rated R. Yes, Mel, which I didn't realize, Mel really pushed for it to be rated R, and it's his first rated R movie since Blazing Saddles. Everything else was PG. Because PG-13 didn't exist right. in the 70s. Right, not until 82, 83, 84. My brain's not working. Whenever Temple of Doom came out. Yeah, whenever or the best Grimble, yeah, Gremlins and Temple of Doom, when they came out. Whatever. Thank uh, you, thanks, Steven Spielberg. Yeah, thank you, Steven Spielberg, for PG-13. Well, And go to hell, Jack Valenti. I think he's already there. I know. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> looking up at us from hell right now, Jack Valenti. Hey, Jack. Um, so I think that 
first off, I completely forgot that Blazing Saddles is rated R. Yeah. Um, I guess uh, for obvious reasons, but um, I I don't think of it as a rated R movie, right? I think it's because of you know I they don't they don't really double down on the rating like most rated R comedies. Do, yeah, right? yeah, I, I get what you're saying. Like, because you know most rated R yeah. comedy comedies. There, it's a reason that it's rated R. There's a lot of language, probably a lot of nudity. Right. And, you know, usually if it's a rated R comedy, they crank those things up to yeah. 11, right? Yeah. If anyone has ever seen a rated R Will Ferrell movie, you'll understand. Right. Or, you know, I think I recently, I recently saw 30 minutes of Good Boys on HBO. Oh, Jesus. That's another good With <laughs> poor, poor Jacob Trimbley, man. He did that awesome Wonder movie, and then they're like, hey, we want you to come and do this other movie, and you're going to get to say fuck. And a lot. A he lot. says it a lot, yeah. And I want to know how his parents were like, okay. Because I mean, he's like, what, he 11? Just, I mean, he's bought their house. So, oh. yeah. That's <laughs> true. Um, but anyway. like the Stranger Things kid when he went to <laughs> it. Oh, uh, played in it. Finn Wolfhard? Uh, yeah, when he came back, he kept, he kept they're like, Finn, you can't say fuck so many times. <laughs> he's yeah. like, sorry, man. <laughs> it's like, Andy Muscadetti, let me do it. You like your life, mom and dad? All right, then let's relax. So um, I do want to talk that maybe... Okay, so uh, I wrote a quote years ago from Lars von Trier, uh, one of my love, favorite... I was about to say, you love, you love Lars von Trier. Saying that um, obstruction and hurdles while making films... Um, is a breeding ground for creativity, right? Yeah, explain. Uh, so let's say that if I were to tell you, you have to make this film, but you're not allowed to, you're not allowed to build a set. Ready, go, right? Uh, okay, and then I, I'll have to figure out some way You have to figure that. out around it, okay. right? Okay, But in, in Mel's case, having his films be PG, Right, mm-hmm. he has to work around that. Right, yeah. breeding creativity around dialogue, situations, right, um, acting choices, blocking choices, things like that. Right, mm-hmm. when it's rated R, you don't have to do any of that. Yeah. Right, and so I feel like that's to his detriment in this film. Yeah. Right, I feel like his creativity wasn't pushed to the level it could have been. Right. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely, like, he, there's a lot of seeds of really good bits in mm-hmm. history of the world Yeah, um, that get right, in my opinion, to the line, but don't land the way they should, you know? I'd agree. Especially with all the, you know, since we spend a majority of the movie in the Roman Empire, there's mm-hmm. a lot of really good bits yeah. that are set up, but then not paid off. Especially in that era yeah. of the movie. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, now, not to say that I don't like the movie. I mean, it's no. it's it's good. It's, in my opinion, the last good one he did until Robin Hood Men of Tights. Oh. Now, do you like Spaceballs? Well, I do like Spaceballs. Well, that was in between those two. What? Well, damn, damn it! Check your facts, boy. <laughs> okay. I'm not really a Spaceballs. The guy. last. The third last good movie of his. Great. That's much more significant. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. So, I, I guess we can go through um, maybe segment by segment. Yeah, because there's not really a 
plot? Not necessarily. I mean, there is sort of a plot within each segment, kind of. Well, Especially and, when we get to the longer ones. Yeah, yeah, because... But not necessarily the really short vignettes. Yeah, right? yeah. So, or, as your mom says... Uh, vinaigrettes. Uh, yeah, my mom. Oh. <laughs> she uses yeah. vinaigrettes. Um, for fun. For comedy reasons. So... <laughs> so you could say she's a stand-up uh, philosopher? She's a stand-up philosopher. Uh, oh, yeah? My mom, yeah. She's... Uh, Anyway, so <laughs> I guess we can start with the very, very beginning with uh, the Neanderthal or, you know, the um, Australopithecus Africanus is at the very beginning. So I, I, would say this, of anthropology. I would say this is the first parody in Mel's movies because it's because 2001 yes. had already come out. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, it was probably. 1968. Yeah. Oh, OK. Yeah. Mel was working on high anxiety, I think. In 68? No, but... Wow. Well, yeah, well, it came out uh, oh 68. Producers came out in 67, so... So Mel just was Mel was just getting started. There you go. Yeah. But anyway. Yes, so we, we do have that uh, orchestral score. And, and, of course, the, you know, the Neanderthal-like things. Um, Standing up for the first time? <laughs> yeah. And, and, of course, the birth of man, as heard by uh, Orson Welles. Another great get, by the way, but not a surprising get. We'll get we'll, we'll yeah. to that in a second. Um, and then they start beating off, right? Uh, <laughs> hilarious. Super funny because they're met, right? And that's that's all I do all day long, right? Obviously. I, I mean, yeah. Uh, it's, I, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's, a great com- it's, it's, it's a great commentary on just typical men, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Especially back then. What else were you gonna do? Right, exactly. You can't watch. You can't listen to a podcast. No, no. You just roll around in the dirt. There you go. And you roll around huh. in the dirt. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Excellent job, Alex. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but let's let's briefly talk about Orson Welles. So Orson Welles, um, obviously world renowned filmmaker and uh, radio personality, also. Uh, but at that time. I mean, he was begging for stuff to do. Well, yeah, yeah. Mel and the special features said they had to wheel him in because he had gotten so big by that point mm-hmm. uh, that he was wheelchair bound. Yeah, but they had to like wheel him into the recording studio. There's a great recording of Orson doing. I think it's a Jolly Green Giant commercial on the radio. That's awesome. And he loses his mind. He's like, what is this shit, man? I'm I'm Orson Welles. Like, what am I doing? You know, and I mean, they and he just loses his mind because he's just like, what have I become? What what has become of me? I, I used to be so important, and now I'm doing this, right? That's it's awesome. it's heartbreaking, but it's also <laughs> it's it, awesome. It's also very funny. Um, <laughs> well, and the sidebar, I forgot that he was in the Muppet movie. I just re- recently rewatched that. Mm. Uh, Mel Brooks is also in it. Oh. and Madeline Kahn. Uh, but Orson is the um, the uh, the movie executive who signs who who, who gets up Kermit's uh, standard rich and famous contract, <laughs> which comes back in Jason Siegel's Muppets movie. Anyway, but I forgot he was in it, and like when he turns around, I was like, "Yeah, that's Orson Welles." Orson Welles. Hey, hey. And then of course we go to Caveman. Yes. Right. This one is, of course, the first of the more substantial sort of segments, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and this one stars Sid Caesar. Which Mel 
uh, owes his success to. That's right. So I think this was a, hey, come come cameo as a caveman. And by the way, for a 60-something-year-old, he's in great shape. Yeah, so it was looking great. Yeah. And, he, and he kills it. Yeah, he does. I realize he was sick the other day. Yeah, I know. He was, <laughs> How old was he when he was doing Grease? Uh, oh, I don't know. Um, old enough to do a great monologue. I mean, he was, I mean, he was younger in, yeah. in Grease. Um, anyway. But yeah, um, Mel used to write for your show of shows, uh, which is Sid Caesar's program. And, um, or was. Was. Since yeah. he's his program. And now, um, you know, that's what started Mel's career, which is what ran by that. Anyway. So, the caveman scene. Or scenes, I guess. A um, lot of fun little things in there. You know, the the creation of fire, the creation of art, art music, music. Right? Um, Comedy. It's a, it's a whole lot of fun, right? Mm-hmm. So, let's let's dive into that a little bit. What did you guys think of this little segment? I love the, uh, the cri- and then they created art, and of course, with art becomes the cri- critic, the and critic, he- and the guy just stands up and pees, <laughs> and, and drawing, and they're all like, oh. Oh, yeah. and they're all like putting their arms on Sid Caesar. <laughs> um, I loved the 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 funeral bit, where yeah, because you know. You know, death was so new to them. It was met with a certain awe. Yeah. Awe. <laughs> but since they also didn't understand the concept, funerals were much quicker, and they just pick him up and throw him out, and throw him out the cave. <laughs> um, and I and I like the the fire bit. The fire bit. Yeah. I forgot how funny it was that he's trying to start a fire, and then one of the cavemen comes in with a fully lit torch, and Sid Caesar's like, oh, and he takes the rock and he puts it in the fire. And then he throws it into the pile of uh, uh, twigs and stuff, and nothing happens. And you're just like, oh. Just, <laughs> the rest of the bits, they're good, but those two are the best, in my opinion. Yeah, I I also really liked the um, the first heterosexual uh, relationship and homosexual relationship. Yeah. <laughs> it's just getting beat over there with a club, right? Yeah. And then dragged it to a <laughs> Uh, what, what did you think of the comedy bit? Like, the the need to laugh. Oh, yeah. He's and, and he's, like, doing just some weird, like, dance, yeah. impromptu yeah. dance, and then a dinosaur. a dinosaur comes and eats him. They're and they're like, like ah. Ah. Yeah, that was pretty good. Um, <laughs> obviously, it's the it's also the comedy that those those two things weren't around at the same time, right? Yeah. Uh, not like the Flintstones. I hate to break it to you, but it's... Uh, yeah, Wait, know. the Flintstones aren't real? Uh, no, because uh, man didn't live at the same time as dinosaurs. <gasps> but they're not man; they're Neanderthal. Oh, okay, well then, forget oh. it then. What do I know? And then, and then that's just the whole caveman. Sequence. Yeah, and and then which sort of you know starts to shape our expectation of the movie, right? Mm-hmm. Like, okay, that wasn't so long. They're all going to be like that, right? Right, and then we get the shortest one. And besides the besides the very beginning, which is the Moses bit, which again is probably my favorite bit in the whole movie. Which we already mentioned. We don't really have to go through that. Except I'd like to mention I didn't realize the voice of God is Carl Reiner. <laughs> I didn't. I was looking through the all the cameos in the movie, and, and Carl was uncredited. I love Carl as God. Yeah, yeah. Carl. Uh, Carl passed on his comedic genius to his son Rob, who I. 
who I also love. Robert Ryder. So when we lose Carl, may that day never come soon, right. uh, we still have Rob Reiner. And did you know the uh, Moses scene was actually recycled from the caveman? Like like, like the, the cave, set? Yeah, the set. Oh, that's really? They just, I think they took it and like flipped it upside down. <laughs> and were like on the outside of it instead of inside. Oh, I like that. I mean, that makes sense. Because, it, it, you know, it wasn't planned. Right. Just yeah. like, hey, this would be funny. Let's go ahead and shoot it. They got to, you know, so make shoot. it look different enough. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's smart. I like that. And then we get the one of the longest segments in the movie. Which one's longer, that one or the front? I think I, the French seemed longer. I, I think the Roman Empire. But longer. I think it's because I I enjoy the French Revolution segment less than I do yeah, the, 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 the Roman Empire. The French, Re- yeah. the French Revolution segment is... It's got also some good bits, but it, we'll get there. Uh, but the, so then we have the Roman Empire, which I, I, I think that one is the longest segment of the... It is really long. It was and, longer than I remembered it. And they have... And I think that really has the most what I think what I consider kind of like modern parody when you think of parody Mm -hmm. that has like a lot of modern twist to it like when they go to Caesar's Palace that actually that actually made me laugh because (laughs) there's a point where the camera dips a little bit and you can see a car in the parking lot you know like that's (laughs) Like, like that made me laugh, right? Because obviously it's the real Caesar's Palace yeah. in, in Las, in Las Vegas, Vegas that they're going to. Um, and of course, once they're inside, the interior is like the Ten Commandments. We're, ba- we're back to Roman Empire, uh, yeah, right. Um, but it's still, you know, well, makes me. Laugh. Um, and I love that. There, I mean, like I said, each segment has really good bits. Like I really love um, that every U is a V. Yes, yeah. and they and he spells nuts. N V T S. Oh, we get my buddy back because uh, uh, he was in uh, uh, Rock Clark. I, yeah, because he was in High Anxiety. Yeah, and I felt like uh, um, Swift. Swiftest is is it, it was just Brophy. Yeah, it was Brophy again. Um, I, I really like his name is Swiftest. Swiftest. The, uh, and Mel Brooks is Comicus. Stupid, but it makes me laugh, right? Um, but then, you know, it, it, in the Roman Empire segment, we get another instance where um, Richard Pryor was supposed to be. Yes, in I was going to mention that. Um, unfortunately, the only thing that connects this movie with Blazing Saddles. Saddles is Richard Pryor was supposed to be in the movie, and instead he lit himself on fire. Yes, so. unlike uh, when we mentioned back in the first part, uh, Blazing Saddles, where uh, Richard was unreliable, and so. Warner didn't want him involved. And boy, did Warner have a point. Because uh, in 1980, or 1981, whenever... This came out in 1981, but I'm sure it was 1980. Richard Pryor, in a drug-addled state, lit himself on fire. So he turned out to be uninsurable anyway. So instead of Blazing Saddles, it's Blazing Actors. That was amazing. Yes. Unbelievable. Can we just take a minute... That was really good, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, minutes over, God. And so, and so we get Gregory Hines in 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 place of Richard Pryor. His first motion picture, really? Uh, yes, and the woman who plays Miriam also. Um, this is her first uh, movie name. as well. She ended up. The reason I knew who she was, uh, she was the mom in the Disney Channel original movie Motocrossed. Um, Do you know how long it's been since I've seen? Well, it's on Disney Plus. So go ahead and hightail yourself over on Disney Plus, watch Motocross. Um, 
and she's the mom in that. So anyway, uh, uh, their careers didn't really blow up after this either, right? Yeah, cause didn't Gregory do that movie with uh, Billy Crystal? Showing a couple of movies. Um, I mean, steadily working, but nothing major. Right, nothing substantial. Right. Um, well, I learned right. that uh, when they brought in Gregory, it was kind of more of a, a camera test. Like, they were filming the movie, but they pretty much told him, like, you know, kind of think of this as a camera test. If it's working out, you don't have to worry. If not, we're sorry. But within, I think, they said, like, ten minutes, Mel knew, like, you've got it. Yeah. Don't worry. Yeah, and, and he's great in the movie. Oh, he's, yeah. Uh, yeah, he... <laughs> one, uh, one of the lines I really like, and it's... it's And I definitely feel like he ad-libbed it, was when he calls one of the Roman guards... Uh, hang on, I'm trying to because I don't want to butcher it because it's a really funny joke, like honkus, honkus instead yeah. of instead of honky, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like grab this honkus, yeah, and they're like you can't say that to the cops. <laughs> it's it's great. Um, yeah. And Gregory, in every every scene Gregory's in, he he steals the scene, especially yeah. with the the eunuch test. Yes, he's just like that yeah, one. Feather. That one's great. Um, and again, sort of pushing the envelope with the R rating. You know, they they get to be a little more risque and a little mm-hmm. more right, um, less on the uh, more on the nose than they would ever have to be. Right. Yeah. The only thing about that scene in particular, I mean, it's funny. The only thing that really bothers me is that again, you know, forcing the parody. He has a Looney Tunes tongue when he's like, oh, and his yeah. tongue rolls out of his mouth. Yes, and it's not, it's, it has the potential to be funny. Yes, absolutely. Which, um, I, because I like the, I like the idea of Looney Tunes style comedy within live action scenarios. Right. right. That shit I love. Right. Some Tex Avery eyeball shit. Yeah. Right. But this one just, it, it wasn't, it, the, the tongue wasn't real enough. Yeah. Right, and, and I think yeah, it might have been okay if they didn't hold on to the shot as mm-hmm. long as they did. I see. And also, I feel like they the scene was a little bit longer than it needed. To be. I also agree with that because she dances in front of like each three one mix for a bit before getting to the guy. Yeah, like you could have just done two and like cut it down real short, you know. And did we need the general having to say he's a eunuch? I feel like it does because then in that scene you get to the. The last one when she's like the last eunuch and she's like doing it really oh uh, like he's a eunuch I think he's dead yeah because <laughs> he's not responding yeah because it pays off that yeah. that bit so yeah. I agree with Alex that yes I do like the the sort of the commentary mm-hmm. from the guard right but I completely agree that the dance sequence goes on for way too long yeah right because she has to do each one but we don't have to see the duration of each one yeah right we get the idea yeah they. Uh, yeah, they could have they could have cut it to where she was dancing at one, and then we see her, and she's already at another one. Right, 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 right. You know, but um, but something else about that scene that I love is Madeline Kahn. Madeline Kahn. Um, again, so like I mentioned last week, I felt like I mean she's still really funny in High Anxiety, but not as funny as she was in Blazing Saddles and Young Frankenstein, mm-hmm. this, I felt like Mel really was like, just go all out. And she 
every scene. Again, she kills it. Yeah, I I do I do like everything that she's in in this one, right? As she, <laughs> Could you please walk on the same foot at the same time? Yeah. <laughs> that yeah, that is that's one that I I quote a lot also. Uh, uh, my tits are falling off, uh, which is pretty funny. Um, I feel like she wasn't used a lot in this one, right? Yeah, I feel like Mel could have... I mean, because Mel you know, wrote several characters for himself to right. play in the movie. I feel like he could have done the same for her. But maybe it I was... I think I would have liked that more. Yes. Like, like if, if, you, if, if you saw all the same characters coming but, back. Like, yeah. a, you know, a, like American Horror Story kind of style. Yes. Of, you know, the I, same actors, but they're different. I agree, and even within the segments, he plays more than one character, right? Within yeah. the segments, yeah, especially themselves. within uh, the French Revolution, right? And so I, I agree. I feel like it would have been a lot more impactful if Cloris Leachman had been in all of them, <laughs> and if Madeline Kahn had been in all of them, yeah, and if Harvey Corman had been in all of them, right? I also forgot he was in it. I was like Harvey Corman. Oh my god, that's right, he is in this. Yeah, I forgot that Cloris Leishman was in it until we got to the French Revolution. I was like, oh, there she is. Right? Um, But I still, I still, even though we didn't get a lot of Madeline Kahn in this one, I still, I loved what she did. Especially when she's picking her escorts. Yes. And she's doing a sing-songy, no, 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 yes. (laughs) And I should mention everyone, uh, she's picking escorts for... Orgies. Orgy. For for the orgy. And so she's looking at all of these... uh, Roman soldiers' genitals. Yeah. How we know this is because we're seeing a backward shot of their bare asses. It's hilarious how they enter because you just see them like waist up and they're like you know in their full uniform. And so, so you think? Yeah. You think they're just coming in for like to pick your escort to like take you somewhere maybe? And then a you know wide shot and they have no pants on, they have nothing on, they're just standing there with their they still have their weapons, they're just throwing the spear. They just don't have their pants. And then, yeah. and then when they quick time harch out of there, they're like, "Oh!" They keep bobbing their heads up. Hilarious, right? You made some big decisions. <laughs> I, I love quick time harch, <laughs> and, and I love that that one. Um, the I can't think of what they're called, but the the soldier that announces everything mm-hmm. um, keeps mispronouncing March as harch. Yeah. I, Company Harch. I also really, I mean, okay. Um, I love Dom DeLuise a lot. R.I.P. And I feel like Dom should have been in all of these also. I, right? I, I know. I, I 100% agree. You know, the fact that he was just the the Roman. I think he was supposed to be or whatever. An Emperor Nero. And yeah, too. I did really like the sort of um, the implied sexual history he has with the with the I don't know their valet or whatever he is. Oh, uh, the 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 their concierge, whatever. Or, or like the oh, shit. The um, you're doing great. It's what Zazu is advisor. Advisor. Um, because obviously the advisor is very flamboyantly gay, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and Dom DeLuise plays that very well, right? Especially when he's in Blazing Saddles or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I like I liked that. That I mean, that made me. Oh, chuckle. when he walked in, then he's like he's like poking at his penis or whatever <laughs> when he's walking by, you know, <laughs> blowing him kisses and stuff. Um, I really liked that, right? Um, but then again, we don't like just like Madeline Kahn. We don't get a lot of Dom DeLuise. Yeah, and he doesn't he doesn't talk a lot. It's more grunting and bodily functions. 
He doesn't talk so towards the end. Like physical reactions. For yeah. Towards other people. Which, I mean, Dom is a really... He's very... F- Funny physical comedian as well, but mm. vocally, he, I, yeah. I wish he would have talked more. Honestly. And again, this is just, I don't know whose decision it was to have Mel be the center focal point, right? I'm sure it was Mel's. You think? I love Mel, but from what I've been gathering while we've been doing the series is he likes to be front and center. Which, I mean, I don't blame him. Oh, I mean, neither would I. But, I like, we kind of teased, I think that... Not really is it's a downfall, but I think focusing more on putting himself front and center, he leaves everyone else. The tracks from everything else. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, like I feel like if if maybe someone else was front and center of this movie, I'm not saying Mel couldn't have been in any of these segments, but right, if, of course. if maybe like Gene Wilder was front and center, I feel like everyone else would have had much more comedic timing with everything. Yes. Uh, I think that if he had probably move the spotlight off of himself, mm-hmm. right? We would have... I don't know. I mean, it, it's difficult to say, right? Yeah. Um, I, I for sure want Mel in the Inquisition, right? Mm-hmm. I want him in this... Because that's the satire. Yes. He, it has to be a Jewish man at the center point of that... It, of, of that segment, right? Yeah. Which we'll get to because I, I want to talk about one more thing in the room. That's what makes sense, yeah. right? But in the other side, he doesn't have to be. Yeah. Right? Like with the French Revolution. The joke that he's, you know, this 40-something Jewish person isn't the isn't the comedy. Right. Right? Yeah. So, um, the last thing I wanted yeah. to talk about with the Roman Empire then we can sure. move on to the next segment is... Uh, I will say, as Mel's, uh, his, his occupation, mm-hmm. as Comicus's occupation. Oh, we get B. Arthur in yeah. this one. Uh, she's the unemployment <laughs> person, uh, because we learn that what Comicus is, it's a stand-up philosopher. He, I should have written down his monologue, he coalesces the vapor of human experience <laughs> yeah. in a comical... Wait, I don't remember. Right. And then B. Arthur gives us... And I think it's a word that Mel loves, by the way. Yeah. He's a bullshit artist. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you know, then she goes through the, the checklist of what she does with everybody else. You know, did you bullshit last week? No. Did you try to bullshit last week? Yes. All right. <laughs> and then Swifter shows up and ruins it. Right. He goes, well, if you got a job, then I don't need this anymore. <laughs> one thing I do want to mention is that at one point, it's one of those, you know, small contained little jokes in there. Mm-hmm. But Oedipus is there. Yeah. And somebody calls him a motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's Gregory Hines. Yeah. He says, hey, Josephus. Hey, motherfucker. And they, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, in the right. It's Oedipus. one of those really tiny yeah. things I, that if you're paying attention. I, yeah. I didn't connect it. I'm... So that yeah. makes that joke so much funnier. Yeah. I remember laughing at it live. I, I can't believe I didn't bring it up. I didn't take notes this time. Maybe that's why. Um, but I do love Comicus's uh, stand-up philosophy of the, of, uh, <laughs> you know, these Christians are so poor. And the Swiftus comes out. <laughs> How poor are they? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> They're so poor. They only have one God. <laughs> <laughs> and. <laughs> 
They're just like, you know, they're... These one-liners. Yeah, they're... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Until he uh, fucks himself with the... Who wants to look like a big fat pig? <laughs> and then the... The uh, the corruption yeah. within the... <laughs> it goes all the way up to the, the emperor. emperor. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> uh, but then... No, you're crying. Yeah. But then... Uh, so after all of the hijinks ensue, I'm assuming you'd like to really talk about yeah. one of the biggest gets of the movie during the Roman Empire. During the Roman Empire... <sighs> Yeah, I guess we can talk about it. Well, we have to. Okay. We must. And then and then we... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, because, again, then we get this, which... It's a very weird subplot within this segment. Because yeah. I, I, I get the, you know, if we want to talk, you know, the, um, the, the chariot chase before that... It's supposed to be a bit like Ben Hur, right? A little bit like Ben Hur, but then of course they bring you know the um, the marijuana parody into it, you know, with the giant yeah. blunt, sort of like Cheech and Chong. Oh yeah, and then the, of course <laughs> the mighty joint. He's he's like, I know that smell. <laughs> oh, so racist. <laughs> yeah, give me some of that rolling papyrus. You know, papyrus, papyrus. <laughs> <laughs> the, the rolling papyrus. Calling it a rolling papyrus to make me laugh. All right, it still makes me laugh. But you know, I, again, not I'm not a weed smoker, so I, I I don't I don't relate to it. So it's not to say that it isn't funny. It wasn't funny to me, right? That's why you gotta watch Pineapple Express, dude. Never. The so, whole point of that is for them to sober up, so, not to smoke weed. Mm, the best get is John Hurt. Yes. Uh, wait, wait. Before that, during the little uh, chariot chase, we have to remember. That. Oh, Moses, Moses comes, comes back. back. Oh, that's right. They're, like at a, they're at a, the river. Remember? They're like, how are we going to get across? How are we going to cross? And Moses, he has his hands raised. <laughs> and they get across, and they're like, yeah, he saved us. Like, what a kind and man. And then he cuts to Moses, and there's someone with like a... A crossbow. Like a crossbow, and he's like, and keep your hands up, and he robs him. <laughs> and, 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 and Mel's kind of... Uh, he's like, you son of a bitch! Yeah. <laughs> and he throws his staff at him. Uh, You're right, Moses does come back, and that's... Um, yeah. That was fun, and I liked that, because we're going to get that again when we get to the French Revolution, because Gregory Hines is going to come back. But yeah. Well, yeah, we'll yeah. and so, so uh, Comicus becomes a waiter at a restaurant, and there's a private party, which he goes to take their order. And it's the Last Supper. <laughs> and we're, we're doing work here. We don't... It may be our Last Supper, says one of the disciples. <laughs> and and I like they all have nameplates. Yeah. Next to them. And John Hurt... Is Jesus. Jesus. Uh, which, that is probably one of my favorite bits in that part is... So, Comicus is just trying to take these guys' orders. You know? <laughs> He's the waiter. He's, and they're being very uh, frustrated with him, which is frustrating him. And I just love the whole, Jesus. What? What? Yes. Yes. What? 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 You said what? <sighs> Jesus. Jesus. What? What? <laughs> just, right, and it's just this... Abbott and Costello misunderstanding, right? Which is great. I think my favorite bit in in that in that scenario uh-huh. is he uses the plate. Oh, as the as the halo, right? Um, when yeah, yeah. Da Vinci, the- right? Because Da Vinci comes in and goes, "Oh, I'm getting people's backs." You know, everyone on the same side of the table, right? And um, <laughs> and here comes Comicus in the back with his shiny uh, silver plate, and it's right behind Jesus. And he's head. just like. With a shit-eating grin. And it's obviously he's not going to be included 
in the painting, but the plate is, <laughs> right? Yeah. Which is so funny to me. Uh, and then that's it for the Roman Empire segment. And to me, thank God. Good Lord. Uh, and then we get, I think, probably the second briefest uh, yes. segment. And where Jeremy uh, mentions the satire coming in is the Spanish Inquisition. Did yeah. you expect it? Expect what? The Spanish Inquisition. No, actually, when the first time I ever saw this movie... That was... A, you don't get it. What? <laughs> It's SNL. No one expects the Spanish Inquisition. <laughs> anyway, moving on. I'll, I'll send you the Jeremy, I think. I got it. I'll send you a video later. <laughs> we'll send you the link. Anyway, um, Jeremy kind of Jeremy kind of mentioned what the satire is of this, and uh, in this point in history, um, the was it the Catholic Church doing this? No, or? I'm not going to get into the history of it. I I wanted to talk. Oh, okay. <laughs> Listen, man. Well, I mean, you kind of have to know them. Yeah, I guess you do. It's you know, it's during the plagues of the bubonic plague of mm-hmm. Europe and Spain. The Spanish Church is basically like trying to annihilate, trying to figure out, or they think you know it's a religious thing and not just like a disease. Yeah. Right. So they're taking all the you know the the sinners and you know. Because you know Jews aren't the Jewish, right? And so they they blame the that the fact that there are people out there who are not Christians. Therefore, we have a plague on our hands. Yes, and so they they believe it's your fault. They they think torturing them and think in torturing them into converting will save them. Yes, and of course, I'm sure uh, sure most of these. Jewish men and women refused because that's their heritage. Right. But but this is where the satire comes in, right. because, so, as you kind of mentioned. Right. This is where Mel has to be front and center, right? Yes. Um, if anybody had to be it, you know, Mel is a great choice because yes. he is an obvious Jewish man. Right? Yes. And so for him to play the head of the Spanish Inquisition and, you know, do this Broadway musical about uh, the Spanish Inquisition and what a great idea it is, is hilarious, and it's satire, right? Yes. Um, because uh, in the special features, Mel mentioned how, you know, people talk about the Holocaust a lot and how awful it was, and it was awful, but people forget about the Spanish Inquisition that right. Hitler wasn't the first one who was trying to annihilate the Jews. Right. And so making it silly, like much like in the producers he did with Springtime for Hitler, mm-hmm. make again another Broadway musical that he makes Hitler look silly. He wants to make the Inquisition look silly, right? Yes. Uh, you know, like with uh, synchronized swimming nuns and uh, <laughs> and a big the, slot machine, right? Um, having them come out of the water as a menorah, right? Uh, no. The, <laughs> It's just, that is it's my absolute favorite part of the whole movie because it's pure Mel Brooks, right? Yeah, this is Mel Brooks. So, would you say if the whole movie had been satire, do you think it probably would have landed a little bit better than it did? Yes, um, he I mean, obviously he would have had to pick certain times in history to do that with. Right, right, not hard, right? Yeah, there's now, yeah. but you know, in order for it to feel like Mel it needs to be more like this yeah yeah. And it didn't it, all have to be Broadway musical that's not what I'm saying no, I'm no, just no, saying no. it needed to be that sort of silly holding a mirror up to society look at this look at how terrible this was but mm-hmm. look at how silly I'm making it look right yeah uh, 
Yeah. <laughs> it's the closest he's gotten to Blazing Saddles since Blazing Saddles. Is mm-hmm. that segment right there. Yeah. And yep. he'll never do it again. Yeah, and as we learned, that segment is only eight minutes long. Yeah, it's not... Unfortunately, unfortunately, it's not that long because then we get... Oh, my God. And then we get into the last segment, which... This is my least favorite. I would say it's my least favorite. I would agree. There, like you said, there's good, there's good bits, but again, there, there's no payoff with these good bits. And also, I think my enjoyment was also cut in half this time because... I'm seeing it through my 2020 eyes this time. So um, when I was a kid, it was still funny because I didn't get how awful it was, right? Uh, Of the French Revolution? But now it's so hard for me not to think he is just sexually assaulting all these women he's around. That's horrible. You know what I mean? Like now it's all I can think about when I'm watching it. Like, you know, when he's like groping women in the garden or they're gang raping the the queen when they're playing chess yeah, yeah. right i mean obviously that's not what he meant right it it could be a satire on the high class french society as a whole during that time mm-hmm. how you know there were like no rules for them or whatever blah blah yeah hedonism but i don't know to me it's just not funny anymore well does and it translate well no, over the years it does not well and there and and also like this is when Mel starts to recycle jokes mm-hmm. because he does the whole. Uh, the, the, it's good to be the king. Yeah, like, he does that four like, times, yeah. which you know, as we've mentioned, I love a good fourth wall break. And the first time he does it, I'm like, okay. Then he does it three more times as King Louis, and then he does it a fourth time as the piss boy, <laughs> all looking directly in the camera. And I'm like, yeah, we get it. It's it's good to be the king. Yeah, and he'll do it again. In uh, Robin, Hood, Robin Hood and Tights. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and it's Mel saying it. Yeah. Because uh, uh, Patrick Stewart as King Richard is kissing Maid Marian and he looks down and it's good to be the king. And that I'm okay with. But um, but then we get Harvey Corman kind of doing Hedy, Hedley Lamar. It took me a while to... Because this is the only one he doesn't have a mustache. A mustache, yeah. He's clean shaven. And I was like, is that... That is Harvey Corman. Okay, and he's Corman. also kind of gained a little bit of weight. Yeah, so it was hard for me to recognize him from the other films he was in, right? But but, but he's doing Hedley Lamar again because he's he's Count Du Monet, but everyone that's calls great, him. That's a great joke. Right? Everyone calls him De Money. Count yeah. De Money. Count, Count De Money. Count De Money. And that he, is a great joke. I, I'll give. Well, he's like, like De Monet. De Monet. <laughs> and then at the one point he says. I'm counting the money. Game on But you know that, that. But that's when Mel starts to recycle jokes. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know. But I will say uh, his his counterpart Bernice mm-hmm. cracks me up every scene Bernice is in. Yeah. I don't know that actor, uh, but apparently he was in the producers. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of my favorite lines with him is when he's talking about his cuffs in the. You, a man's cuffs should be the the same length of his pee-pee. Yours are down to your balls. <laughs> and then uh, Harvey Corman's like, at least I have mine. And he just goes, you bitch. <laughs> like, it, that, like I said, it has good bits, but it's, as a whole, it's not funny. I, and I think it's just because, you know, same with the... the Roman Empire it just goes on too long 
Yeah. Um, and I did learn something, though, about uh, the girl, the the uh, Rumbard, because um, I was like, she looks really familiar. And you know how I always love to shoe a horn in that I'm a Doctor Who fan? Oh, boy. Um, she was with... Peter Davison's the fifth doctor, she, she was one of his companions. Oh, that's cool, I guess. Uh, I don't know anything about Doctor Who. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, I had to shoehorn that in. I was yeah, like, Jeremy's going to be mad at me. but I'm, no, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. Um, which is so much worse. I know. Just like my dad. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Jesus. Uh, the... One of the other bits I really like is when they're taking the piss boy to the guillotine, mm-hmm. and and he's like, you know, I may have never was never born a king, but I'll die a king. Would you like a blindfold? None. <laughs> Any last words? None. Like that. I was like, that's pretty funny. Yeah, that is. I mean, yeah, it's it's funny, but it doesn't make up for how unbearably boring yeah. I, I find that segment to be especially uh, even Cloris Leachman can say it yeah yeah it was when she's knitting nothing <laughs> yeah and, I run out of yarn to knit and she's still just just still, still, still knitting needles there's around. nothing in it there's nothing there um and then like you mentioned uh Gregory Hines comes back mm-hmm. it's still in his Roman garb yeah what, what about the when the the, the townspeople and they're like we don't even have a language we We're just have an accent <laughs> and they're all oh <laughs> 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 no that did make me laugh oh I forgot to mention during the uh, during the Roman Empire um, another recycled joke the walk this way the walk this way when, when she's like and, and so they all do it yeah walk oh, this yeah. way oh yeah I forgot about that yeah that's the I think that's the first recycled joke we see and then we get the the name correcting recycled joke. Right. Uh, and then we get the coming attractions. The coming attractions, right? For history of the world part two, which will never <laughs> be Hitler on ice, uh, Jews in space. And then what's the other one? Uh, there's Hitler on ice. Yeah. Um. Those those because those are just the most ridiculous ones. Well, Hitler on ice was you know it's sort of again it's sort of springtime for Hitler. Right? Yeah. See Hitler on ice, <laughs> and he does this. Uh, I don't know what the terms are. Um, and when I was rewatching that, I realized I think Mel was starting production of Spaceballs because mm-hmm. the ships for <laughs> Jews in space look a lot like the ships that he uses in Spaceballs. Oh, okay, cool, cool, cool. I didn't. Realize um, did you? Did you? Are you? Are you looking up our coming attractions? Yes. I, yeah, there was. I mean, there was more than those. two. I think I there's that. two more in between because it starts with Hitler on I don't ice. Remember, I don't either. And then I think there's two more. And Your then, dementia is contagious. My dementia. Yeah, you have. Dementia. You're the old man. That's oh, true. I'm so old in the way. <laughs> um. But anyway, I guess overall, before we uh, uh, a Viking funeral. Oh, Viking oh that's funeral. right. That's right. And then they all take off their helmets, but the horns stay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's to me. That's some Sesame Street level shit right there. That and it made me laugh, right? Yeah. Um, you know, the Jews in space didn't really quite make me laugh. Uh, obviously, Hitler on Ice. It's sort of the homage again to spring down for Hitler for the producers, mm. uh, reminding you of classic Mel. Yeah. Right? But again, overall, it's not 
it's not a favorite of mine. Yeah. Which is a shame because I, you know, it's, it makes me feel bad because I like Mel so much that it's a bummer that, you know. And then, and then kind of like we mentioned last week, this is when we start to see his decline in comedies, you know, Mm -hmm. life stinks, which I've never seen, which I refuse to see because I don't want it to tarnish my image of Mel. Um, you know, we get uh, Spaceballs, which I I personally love because yeah. I'm, I'm a Star Wars, Wars fan. A Star Wars fan. I love. Yeah, I mean, you you guys aren't the only ones. I think that um, I think Spaceballs can be considered one of his good ones, right? Yeah. Only because the parody is so strong and it's so there and it paid attention to detail. Right? Yeah, taking the parody seriously, like we've talked about before. Comb the dozen. <laughs> what you fool? Are you sure this is what he meant? He said to comb the desert. And they've got giant combs. <laughs> giant combs. And then the black guys have the pick. The hair pick. We ain't found shit. Um, and, then, <laughs> and then he's got... Um, Dracula. Dracula Dead and Loving It. Again. Which I think was his last his last movie. His last directorial movie. Um, well, we haven't even mentioned um, uh, To Be or Not To Be. Yeah, because then he was just in that. Yeah, right. well, well, him and his... Uh, his wife and uh, and Bancroft who just watched the original really is it yeah that's alright yeah which version do you the, like more the original oh, okay. to be or not to be yeah only I mean it's just classic comedy you know cause I mean they're they're all like Heil Hitler and he goes Heil myself right no. stuff like that yeah. makes me giggle yeah would you say the, the Mel Brooks one is more is it do they use a lot of the same jokes from the original? Ooh, that's a good that's a good question. I don't know. That's oh. uh, it's been a while. But then you know, but then we get Robin Hood Men in Tights, which is kind of kind of like I mentioned last week. Is kind of like this high point in all these very critically unsuccessful movies, hmm. where yeah, it was critically not successful, but it was higher rated than Life Stinks and Dracula Dead and Loving It. Mm-hmm. And I think because. Again, Mel was paying more attention to the parody, you know, because right. I remember seeing the special features of that and Mel saying, like, that's what they would have worn. They would have worn tights. Mm-hmm. And but they he pushes it to the next level by actually making them wear 90s tights, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And that one has a special place in my heart because it's it's just ridiculous. And that was the first Mel Brooks movie I'd ever seen. Yeah, and I get it. Yeah, every Robin Hood movie they light our village on fire. Leave us alone, Mel Brooks. <laughs> um, but you know, and but doing this series, it makes me realize that by that point, Mel's comedy wasn't pushing boundaries like it was anymore. Mm. It was, it was just the parody, right? Um, which kind of like you said, it, it it sucks to think that, but it's at the same time it's true, right? You know, yeah. But I mean, you know, it was it was fun to do this, and it was fun to go through these select four. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, I, mean, I guess we could have picked any four, but we decided to pick these four. I think I think we picked these four because these four I think really define. Who, what his style is? Yeah, and not only that, but I think it does show both, both halves. Yeah, of the the satire and the parody. End of his career, right? Because yeah. we have the first two, which he's barely in, and then we have the last two, where that's all he is. Yeah, he's front and center, right? Mm-hmm. 
And so uh, it, it does show the sort of switch, mm-hmm. right? And, of course, not going too deep into let's go ahead and pick Life Sting, so let's go ahead and pick, you know, Dracula Dead and Loving It. Let's not go that far, but let's, you know, maintain yeah, sort we, of yeah, we didn't even, balance. We didn't even do the producers, which got him an Oscar. Right. Um, or even, you know, the... I like the producers. Or even the remake with Nathan Lane and Matthew Broderick reprising their roles from the Broadway play, um, which Mel's not in at all. Right. He's, he's in in the credits. They have a little snippet of, like, the chorus girls all giving him a cheek, and he's like, oh, oh. Uh, but... That's fine, he's old. Yeah. But, you know, but then... I, I think it's because Mel... I think the reason why Dracula Dead and Loving It was his final directorial movie, I think by that point he was probably just tired. Maybe. You know, because then after that he just, he does a lot of speaking roles. Mm-hmm. You know, like Big Well in Robots, which mm-hmm. I don't think anyone remembers Robots. I don't remember Robots. No. All right. I was about to say, I'm like, do you really? I remember it. I remember it. it's a movie. <laughs> I remember it because... It's a movie and uh, Robin Williams is in it. Right? I, yeah. That's all he, he's, he's the robot that keeps falling apart. Um, but then, then, you know, Mel did... I'm sure he did stuff in between that, but then he did Hotel Transylvania 2 as... I didn't say that. He's the grandpa, right? Yeah, he's the grandpa. Yeah. And he only agreed to do it because he asked Jindy Tartakovsky, he's like... You can't make my character scary, because my grand my grandkids are going to see this. All oh, right. And Jindy was like, "Well, it's a you kids got movie anyway." <laughs> well, yeah, right. well, yeah. he's barely well, he's barely even in the third one, because his character comes back in the third one. I didn't. I haven't seen any. Of them. You should watch all three because each each one progressively gets better. Did I'm you? I'm being one hundred ten percent because the the first one critics are like, okay, the second one they're like. Oh, okay, and the third one, they're like, okay, yeah, this is we get it now. Yeah, we right. finally get the comedy. So, uh, so Rain, so Jeremy, so Alex, so mm-hmm. Alex. Next season, next season. Holy crap! I know season four or, or whatever five. number we wanted. Or eight and a half. Infinity negative three. Um, we they're three point five. We, we <laughs> there are no rules, guys. We can do whatever we want. Um, let's like we did last season. Let's go ahead and, and pitch some ideas. Okay. Alex, more than welcome to do this. Also, um, I think how we did it last season is we just just said our three. Yeah. I don't think we went back and forth. But um, as I mentioned to you, two of them you will love. All right, one of them you will hate. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm already so upset. I will I go. Know. I know which one you're gonna hate. <laughs> Told me. I told him. One. So I will go ahead and do the one I know you will hate. Okay. Um, Which I will be here for that. Okay. Yes. Nice. I, I want him here for that okay. one. Okay. Um, it will be another Wes Anderson movie. The Grand Budapest Hotel. Uh, as we mentioned in the Steve Zizou episode, I love this movie. And I 100% I, I know you will love it too. I know you'll love the comedy. But I didn't like Zizou. <sighs> well, it's a very different movie. It's a it's completely different movie. Well, it goddamn better be. And it's... Rafe Fiennes is fucking hilarious. You would not You would never think that Voldemort would be that funny. Whoa, he's, whoa, whoa. We just throwing around the name like that, bro? He was uh, not be named, homie. He's uh, going to show up, man. But he, <laughs> he's, he's fucking hilarious in it. And Wes... 
has all his actors coming back. Uh, Bill Murray comes back. Owen Wilson comes back. Uh, another, by the way, another one that is on my shelf. By the way, and I just—that's uh, another reason why I picked it. Willem Dafoe is in it. I Will, do. Yeah. Oh, I do Willem love, Dafoe. I do love Willem Dafoe. Adrian Brody. Tilda Swinton. Is it? Tilda Swinton. Jeff Goldblum. All right. All right. Anyway, so Grand Budapest Hotel. Grand Budapest Hotel. Now the movies I know you will love. Okay, I'm excited. Um, this one I picked because. We three were talking about it, and I was like, you know what? I would like to discuss this movie, and that's American Psycho. Okay, great. Um, I would, I would really love to dive into that sure. because there's. I remember seeing that the, for the first time, and it kind of was like, wait, what, uh, sorry, what? Yeah, what just happened? It's it's one that we can really dive into the ambiguity, mm-hmm. right? Um, because there are several different avenues we can go down, you know, right. different directions, and every conclusion is right. Yeah, you know, not not one conclusion is more correct than the other. They're they're all right and they're all wrong, right? Yeah. and that's what makes American Psycho so brilliant. Good choice, Brian. Now the third one, this one. I went back and forth on. Is it American Psycho two? <laughs> no, with uh, with Mila, Mila Kunis. Kunis. <laughs> no, um, but this one I went back and forth on because I had three. Mm-hmm. They were all runners up. I was like, shit, I don't know which one to go with. But again, the season's really long, so I mean, we can we, you yeah. can do all of them, and hell, you can even pitch them as honorable mentions if you'd like. There are no rules to this. I will. I'll, I'll do that. All right. So okay. So my third pitch, um, I'm not saying this one should be the third pitch, but I'm just going to throw out sure. this one. Uh, the Lighthouse. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm Fantastic. Okay. Um, uh, yeah, because I was like... Robert Eggers is someone to definitely be looking out for. You know, he's done no. two films, and they're both incredible. And he might go, should go see a therapist. I mean, maybe. I mean, what? I mean, actually, maybe not. Actually, keep me. Yeah, because he made movies. What? What I truly love about Robert Eggers is his painstaking research. Mm -hmm. I mean, in the in the very beginning of the Lighthouse, Willem Dafoe has his pipe upside down in his mouth because that's how they held their pipes when they weren't using them. It would be upside down in their mouths. He read that somewhere in more Mm. than one place. He goes, "I'm putting that in the movie." So, I mean, even the buttons they had on their jackets to, you know, the the type of decor in the lighthouse itself, he does his research for a long time before he writes his his scripts, and it's unbelievable. He also did the same thing for The Witch. I mean, the guy is... The guy takes it seriously. Yeah. I really respect that. Now, the honorable mentions are Good Time okay, and Uncut Gems. Ooh, I'd rather do Good Time. Yeah. Um, if we have to, if I have to pick one or the other, it's going to be good time all the way, because uh, good time introduces this sort of anxiety-inducing. Yeah, I mean, just holding you, not letting you go, right? Yeah, I, I watched it and I was like, Jesus Christ. Yeah, I mean, it is the most one of the most intense movies I've ever seen. Yeah, but yeah, no. Can you see my dilemma for the third one? I was like, shit. Yeah, no, not really. I really, yeah. I mean, it's fine. We can do all of them. I, don't I mean, we'll probably do. Yeah. Anyway, so Jeremy, uh, feed me your three. Sure, yeah. Um, I I want to do a Gaspier No Way film. Um, I, was, I was like, shit, he's going to say shit I'm not even going to know. That's okay. Um, I know it. 
Yeah, so so Alex and I are big fans of Gaspar Noé. Uh, I don't know how many films of his you've seen. Um, you've I've seen, seen all of them. All of them. <laughs> I've not seen all of them. Um, I've seen a few. Uh, you know, my my gut wants to do. Let's just do irreversible. Let's just jump right in. Oh yeah. Right. It could be. Um, we could do Enter the Void, which will give you a seizure. Um, Jesus. Or we can do Love, which. Um, oh, is that the one we've talked about? Yeah. Yeah. yeah On yeah. Netflix. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh God. Uh, Climax is also really, really, really good. Um, but I don't know. I, I feel like to get the true Gaspier no way style mm-hmm. which is disorientation you know non-linear storytelling uh, I think Irreversible might be the pick yeah. I really love Irreversible so much um, so that'll be my first one second one I saw it recently and I love to just dive into I don't know I, I, I think about it a lot because I, I wasn't expecting I wasn't expecting to like it and I ended up really liking it that's The Lodge um, oh a new horror film that I saw on Hulu uh, it's on Hulu as of the time of this recording um, I saw it and I really enjoyed it I, I and there's sort of this ambiguity for the ending that is really interesting and the style is really interesting it's kind of like if Ari Aster decided not to take it so seriously <laughs> You know, it's like a B plus Ari Aster instead of you know an A plus, which is all of you know, which is both of his movies so far. Um, So the Lodge, I would really like to do that, and I would like to invite Alex to be there as well as our resident horror film expert. Um, now for the third one. Um, good question, Rain. I'll also do honorable mentions, but. Um, I said it last time and we didn't end up doing it and so I feel like I gotta bring it up again and we will do it next season is Brick uh, Ryan Johnson's um, neo-noir you said that was his first movie correct? yes Uh, with Joseph Gordon-Lovett in company to prove to people that he makes good movies we can we'll do Brick well we know that from Knives Out yeah. And The Last Jedi. And, well, I was going to say a Luber. Uh, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> he does make good movies. He doesn't just make bad ones like The Last Jedi. So um, I was not a fan of The Last Jedi. But Where you got the term uh, Ruin Johnson. Which is a shame because he's really good if you've seen Brick and if you've seen Luber and if you've seen Knives Out. He's good, you know? But Brick, in my opinion, is his best. And so I really want to talk about Brick. I also want to, you know, for honorable mentions, I mean, we're going to do more Fritz Lang coming up. Tight. Which will be fun. And I really want to do one that's just, that's going to knock your stupid socks off. I don't have stupid socks. Do you have smart socks? Oh. Do you have smart socks? Like a smart I I guess so. Honestly, I just wanted, I want to show you a film that either is going to disgust you or shock you or both. Don't, please don't. I really hope you're not going to say what I think you're going to say. Silo? Maybe. Fuck. But, um... A Serbian film. Now, see, Just that's... Never watched that movie. No, and, you know, to me, it wasn't... That movie wasn't shocking because it was meant to shock me. Oh. 
that. Right? And so that's it's like... just the baby scene is. Yeah, and it's... I don't know. I, I have seen it. <laughs> um, I was thinking either that one, maybe Antichrist. I definitely... I God, love, not Antichrist. Antichrist. Love Lars Von Trier, so we can definitely do some, info. some Von Trier stuff. Well, if we're doing info, we gotta do love, just so you can see both sides of how you can do that. Sure. Um, so anyway, uh, Alex, what would you like if, let's say we weren't going to invite you on the podcast, but you still want to hear about it. Uh, oh, that's a... That's a tough one. Okay. It's a toughie. That's a toughie. I mean, I like all of your choices, because I, mean, I feel like, generally, we all like sort of the same kind of thing. Yeah. I feel like Jeremy's helping me understand uh, there is more than just one genre of movie. Superhero? <gasps> Don't say that Martin Scorsese will show up at my door. Me banging on it. Real <laughs> um, Watch my three hour long like, movie. Maybe some like old school zombie kind of thing. Okay. No. I'm a big zombie fan. All right. Yeah, I really, I really, yet or dawn. I really liked. I really liked learning about Night and Dawn of the Living Dead on Shutter about like what George had to go through to yeah. make those movies. And then how. Uh, or maybe like twenty eight days later, kind of thing. Okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, so if you do do that, that would that totally would be gonna be here. That would be really cool. We could talk about the birth of uh, mainstream digital cinema. Um, yeah. Because that is the you know it's after Dogma ninety five obviously, but after that, you know that film movement of using digital cameras and like home cameras that you'd record, right. I mean, you know. these were the best ones you can get, and they still look like garbage. Right, mm. but they were so much cheaper than film cameras that um, what Danny Boyle did was he bought a bunch of them, and he could place them around main streets in London, so he could only shut it down for a day instead yeah. of a week, and right? All this stuff, and get all the shots because he can hide it in cars and he can put it up in the buildings and in windows and. Yeah, they they talked about that on the, the shutter. Oh, did they? Yeah. Um, it's incredible. There's also a great documentary called Side by Side, and it's uh, about the the impact of digital filmmaking within the film industry, and it's really, really good. Also, I think we... I feel like just one episode, we should talk about a bad movie. Well... Well, that mean, that's what the bonus episode is. Well, we, oh, we yeah. did do a little bit of that in our bonus episode, which is coming up uh, a week uh, after this, this one. one. Yes. Um... I didn't know, but which will be fun, uh, but I mean, I'll, I'm, I'll totally do it again. I mean, it's we should 100%. I'm surprised we haven't talked about the room yet. The room, or I'm, I mean, I'm surprised. Maybe like Birdemic, Shock and Terror. Seen it? Have you seen it? <laughs> no. <laughs> See, actually, I, I mean, I've seen quotes. I've seen it. I watched the riff tracks. Um, oh, I've seen all things. Yeah. <laughs> and. I laughed my ass off. You're not supposed to, but you no, will. No, I mean, you're, you're really not. It's because, you know, it's just superimposed really shitty digital birds. Oh, terrible. Like, not even moving, just like sitting in the same spot on the screen, yep. flapping their wings, and people with coat hangers like, wow, wildly waving their arms. It's absolutely Like, terrible. not even near where the bird is placed. That's awesome. Everything is a million dollars. Which is so, I mean, it's, Everything's a perfect round number, right? Uh-huh. Every time they talk about like what something costs or how much they make or whatever, it's or maybe one of those like weird like movies that are like kind of good and bad at the same time, like Rubber. Oh, like Good Suck. 
Yeah. And, and I would, rubber or like Hobo with a Shotgun? I really like the director of Rubber. He did Wrong and he did Reality. He, he's really good in surrealist cinema, so that's that'd be really interesting. Now, I do want to say before we go, uh, I do want to invite Alex to do, and this is me pitching an extra one because there are no rules. I want to invite Alex. I want to do Children of Men. Yeah, you've been trying uh, to get that episode going. I have like been trying ever. to, yeah, I've been trying to push that out, and we just haven't had time. So I think next season we should do Children of Men for sure. Well, and that also means uh, the next season you get to start it off. Good, and, and we're doing then we're doing Children of Men for the uh, for the season premiere. <sighs> you heard it here first. Children of well, it's the only place you would have heard it, but yes, <laughs> you heard it here first. We are going to do Children of Men season premiere next season. A couple of weeks after the bonus episode. Yes. Uh, Well, we hope everyone enjoyed uh, season three and ending it with Mel Brooks. Uh, Shout out to Alex for coming back. Thank you, Alex. And he will definitely, sounds like he will be heavily involved in next season. Apparently. Apparently. Get used to Uh, my voice. But uh, we will see you all in season four. Inquisition, let's begin the Inquisition. Look out, Sam. We have a mission to convert the Jews. We're gonna teach them wrong from right. We're gonna help them see the light and make an offer that they can't refuse. That the Jews just can't refuse. Confess, don't be boring. Say yes, don't be dull. A fact. You're ignoring It's better to lose your skull cap than your skull Oh, you're a The Inquisition What a show The Inquisition Here we go We know you're wishing